You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Bookmaker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe, alongside from the Washington Citizen, Jake Mark. My name is Aaron Dietrich. Not going by one name. Yeah. What's up, Aaron Dietrich? How much? Uh, plenty to discuss over the next two uh, two hours. Of course, we want to hear from you on the uh, Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. Jake actually had a good idea. It happens occasionally. So uh, yesterday coming up with some uh, four-down questions, Jake may have came up with his best question of all time. Yeah. Uh, well, so... I think it's a relevant question today because you've got all this sports talk of attacking this new rule within football that's going to doom the league. Oh, how are people going to react and how are people going to tackle and block without leading with their head? I think it will affect the game eventually to where you see less hard hits. I think that's coming. Well, some would say that is already arrived with yes. the, how the game has been diluted yes and no um you still have some some big time hits but um probably less frequent anyway the question is why do you love football ah. and i just think it's going to be different for the next generation or maybe it's not because uh, I've, I've asked this on social media and it's i'm not getting the because i love the hard hits getting a lot of mm-hmm. uh, emotional ties to mm-hmm. it which i think we all have those so i just want to hear from you I, we've, i've already gotten some great stories uh from coaches and uh just just fans um and i'll a read those in a minute a simple question but a little bit of a complex answer perhaps yeah i think so because we all have our, our different reasons as to why we like it um let me read one for you i would just say life is better with football 100 percent hundred percent. If you've listened to this radio show the last couple of months, a hundred percent. We've been struggling without football, without like, you know, a, a sport that we cover locally. Yeah. Um, man, it's been it's been something, but we're almost there. Yeah. So let me let me just read one here. This is a good one from Quint. The strategy required from the coaches and the athleticism required from the players it's one of the very few sports where such a variety of players Mm -hmm. are needed to make a complete team i love that i think that's i agree 100 percent. i think it's the true team sport Mm -hmm. because you need every single player to do their job and in other sports you can get away with one guy not doing their job you know in basketball maybe you know smith yeah he he well (laughs) you can't blow it at the end but as far as like like one guy being off, like not having their shot that night, okay, you can go to another another option. Or in baseball, I mean, a pitcher can dominate a game, right? I mean, we've seen that time and time again. So football is not like that. Um, football is very rare to where one guy really takes over a game and wins the game. I don't even think he wins it by himself, but he's just so good that you know the other team can't stop him. That's why we marvel so much at those performances. I think that's a good start there by Quint, the strategy of the game and, of course, how it is a chess game at certain points. Also, the fact teamwork comes in so much into play for the game of football. Why you love football 
so much. It'll be one of four questions later on in four downs. But when we want to get your take, your perspective on it throughout the show. Yeah, and we'll read those throughout the show, too, because we're getting some really good responses. Let's start with a, a few headlines this morning, uh, Jake. I think we probably need to start locally with uh, the Monroe Majors. They are now 3-0 and yeah, in the Dixie Majors World Series. They take care of business. They win by two touchdowns yesterday against Arkansas, 14 to nothing. This really puts them in a great spot as they are 3-0. and If they can figure out a way to take care of business tonight versus South Carolina, they will certainly be in the driver's seat to win this thing. I believe it would be their first title since 2003, I believe. Wow. I think yeah. I was actually at that. 2003 was in Laurel, Mississippi. Huh. Made a little road trip down there. How about that? Alex Presley was on that squad in 2003. Just saying. Yeah, but the 14-0 victory last night. Um, now they get South Carolina, who is a very good we team. We believe they've won, uh, according to the website, I think they've won four Dixie Majors World Series in a row. Yeah, so you want to beat be the best, you got to beat the best. And then everything will shift, I believe, after today to ULM. Yeah. Or Tomorrow, does it start today? Um, we'll get the Monroe's uh, head coach, Jay Culver. He's yeah, going in to say we'll clear that up. Yes. Uh, I know tomorrow's game's at ULM, but I forgot to check today. And I also understand earlier this week or this weekend, there was a brouhaha out there involving two teams. We'll get the lowdown from Coach Culver coming up later in the show. But the big news is, of course, Monroe Majors, a collection of star players from Northeast Louisiana, off to a great start. They are 3-0. and Doing it in multiple ways, multiple ways, too. I mean, get it done with pitching early yesterday, 14 and nothing. Getting it done with the bats as well. Let's stay with baseball. We are your headquarters for the Houston Astros. This is your Astros update for today. Boy, they're off to a rough start right now. They have dropped, what, four in a row? Have they started playing again since the All-Star break? Or? Uh, yeah. They get shut out yesterday, uh, two to nothing to the Mariners. Mariners score a two-run double in the sixth. That was the deciding factor. Astros lose two to nothing. That is the extensive research and, of course, coverage of the Astros that you depend on the morning drive. Yeah, they might need another all-star break just to kind of shake off these these bad vibes. How about this story from Major League Baseball, the fact that uh, Bryce Harper, that the Nationals weird. are putting him out there, perhaps gauging interest in trading the all-star. So this tells me that they're giving up? No, he's a free agent at the end of the year, so I think they're willing to roll the dice that they can get something in return for him. Yeah. And then going in next year, hey, why don't you come back? But, we'll give you a big contract. But in the story, the, the the source cites the fact that they're five and a half back and that it just sounds to me like they're like, well, you know yeah, what? That's true. We're, <laughs> we're back in the race. Let's, uh, let's, let's see what we can do here and build for the future. That kind of sounds weird to me. The other weird part is having faith that you can get him back. Yeah. Like, what a gamble. You have one of the best players in the league. Don't you want to make sure he doesn't go anywhere? You really want to roll that dice? Not exactly tearing it up. Uh, hitting 220 this year with 25 home runs, 62 RBIs in his free agent season. John Tabor, our resident baseball expert, what do you make of this with the Nationals willing to shop Bryce Harper? I think they know he's leaving. At the end of the, he's going somewhere else. you got to get so some kind of return well for, him. for him. Yeah. We'll see if this pays off for the Nationals. That makes more sense than, well, we think we can get him back after the yeah. free agency. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got us some unfortunate football news. 
Kentrell Bryce. Former Ruston, Louisiana Tech standout, was uh, carted off the field during Monday's practice after suffering a potentially serious leg injury. Notice status of Kentrell's injury, but he uh, sustained the injury during a punting drill, and it remains to be seen if that is a serious issue. But the fact that he was carted off the practice field on Monday is not good for the Ruston native. And, of course, Kentrell was in the rotation to be a starter this year for Green Bay. And anything with the knee. It just, it's never good news. Mm. Uh, some news from the Saints training camp. Yesterday was a weird day. Practice is rolling along, and then basically a monsoon rolls through New Orleans. Uh, I guess they could tell Sean Payton they have an indoor training facility, or perhaps he was like, all right, we're going to see how we react mm-hmm. to uh, these weather conditions. And obviously, didn't fare too well for the offense. No, it didn't. It made for some cool pitchers, though. Yeah. Some really cool pitchers if you haven't seen them. But, uh, no, the defense shined yesterday. It was actually the defense's best practice yet. Um, someone said that it felt like everyone out there was making plays on the defensive side. And uh, I saw that uh, one of the highlights was Marcus Williams um, getting a PBU against Michael Thomas. Uh, they said he made a beautiful read and made the play. But a couple of forced fumbles. Um and that was that was kind of the highlight. And listen, Taysom Hill, we talked about this yesterday, but the fact that Tom Savage seems to be the clear number two guy, Taysom Hill still struggling. Mm-hmm. If you look at yesterday's numbers, uh, he was two of nine in one drill. I think the, the full day he was 12 for 35 with Wow, we got some practice yeah, stats some here practice from Jake stats. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we love those practice <laughs> stats. Um, but, yeah. How I, did Savage do? I think he was better. I, I didn't write his, his stats down, but they were a lot better. <laughs> In comparison. Defense rules for the Saints yesterday at practice. Keep an eye on, though, there were reports Benjamin Watson, Marcus Davenport, and Shane Vereen all left practice early. Don't know the extent of those injuries. Yeah. Another thing to watch, too, is Dan Arnold trying to make that transition to tight end. Um, they, they were saying, obviously, he has the receiving skills, but he got beat, uh, as you'd expect. He got beat a few times trying to block some guys, but – uh. If he can just be, if he can be efficient enough in blocking, he could be a really big time tight end for the Saints. Uh, NFL news and notes related to the Saints: uh, Steve Gleason expecting his second child. Yes, I saw that yesterday. That was awesome. Yeah, it's really blew my mind actually. Sometimes we bash the media. I think we need a major shout out. Uh, Mike Ducey over in Dallas. He does a fabulous job. I believe it's for the ABC affiliate. Every year he does an interview, one-on-one, exclusive sit-down interview with Jerry Jones. Gets to pick his brain about a number of things. They had scheduled his interview with him yesterday. They were about to do it, and the Dallas uh, personnel and the media department tells Ducey, yeah, you can ask him anything you want, just can't be about the national anthem. So Ducey does the right thing. Says, well, all right, if that topic is off limits, I'm not doing the interview. He walks away from it. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Although, I mean, I'm tired of it, but if you're going to talk about football with Jerry Jones, you have to bring up the national anthem. Exactly. He is at the center of it. Yes. So good for him for backing out of it. And if they're going to dictate the questions that you're going to have to ask him. That too, yeah. So why not back out of it? One one for the good guys, right? Yes. In case you haven't seen the footage, too, it happened on Sunday. I don't know why we didn't get into this yesterday. We're not going to get into the national anthem thing real heavy, but uh, Jerry Jones – some point you probably have to realize the role that you are in and of course the stance you are taking with the national anthem you may be self-aware yeah 
So they're playing a national anthem, a trumpet, before the practice on Sunday, and Jerry Jones has a hat on. And uh-huh. his, his son, Stephen Jones, points it out to him. And Jerry Jones, by just looking at the video, can't read the lips of either of them, basically just shrugs it off and leaves his hat on. He can do what he wants, right? That's 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 why he's lived his life. And it ain't nine nine three seven seven six two. Those are a few of the headlines on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, Mm-mm-mm. it is part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Paint Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. Let's go crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. College football season has arrived. All the talking's about to end. Well, maybe it'll continue on this show. But ULM reports to fall practices today, and then, of course, practices get underway on Wednesday. We talked about it yesterday. John Bailey Glett, the outstanding linebacker from West Monroe. Lee's Army's found a new home with the Warhawks. I chased him down yesterday. Had a little visit about What's he anticipating as he makes his way over to Coach Viator's squad? We'll have that interview coming up later on at 745. Pretty cool guest. We'll have Reese Altman from the Westminster Rebels, a kicker. He will join us to tell us about this Wiffle Ball tournament, the sixth year, actually. Uh, Wiffle Ball tournament this weekend that will be used to fundraise uh, a couple of ch- local charities. 8 o'clock, Gus Cattengill has spent a lot of time down at Saints training camp. From ESPN New Orleans, Gus Cattengill will join us for his weekly visit at the top of the hour. Then, of course, we'll have the update on the Dixie Majors World Series. And Monroe off to that fantastic start at 3-0. Their head coach, Jay Culver, will join us at 8.30. We've also got four downs. Got some good questions here. One of the questions being, why do you love football? And we want to hear from you. Why do you love football? I'm going to read one real quick from Chad. He says, collision of wills. Collection, very talent and types, sheer strategy and matching of wits. Beautiful mix of power, size, speed, and skill. Hard not to be poetic about football. 888-993-7762. Why you love football. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 returns after this. Welcome back to the show. J.K. asking a hard-hitting question this morning. What we love about football. Yes, and let me read a few of these we've gotten so far. The Tomcat says, I love the kids. I love the work, the fans, the smell of fresh-cut grass, sweat, tailgate areas, the shrill sound of a whistle, the discipline, the grunt of linemen on a sled, the sound of quick feet ripping through the grass. I love the fact that every year is a new team, new dynamics, teammates, schemes, ideas, I love how a 53-year-old man can feel 18 again from August through de- December. It's paid my mortgages from my children's diapers and cars from my wife's wedding ring. Football makes me uniquely American. It's everything promised and so much more. No other sport approaches its lessons, intensity, and passion. It's easier to answer what I don't love about football. It's been my life, and the Tomcat is not done yet. It's good stuff. That's a hard uh, text the guy to just rolls out of bed, and he's on social media, and he's texting. He's fired up. The only thing that that needed more was a better narrator. Oh, come and on. Well, you want to read these, we ne- I think in the 8 o'clock hour, let me give it a try, Tom Thurber. And then we need to pump some uh, NFL-type music underneath that. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got a few more to read. Yeah, that was really good, though. It good was, job, Tom. We've gotten a lot of good. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not messing around here. I think we might need to ask the same question to, to Tomcat in December. This was after <laughs> one practice. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he's fired up. Uh, in three or four months when he's worn down a little bit. Johnny says, I love football because of the instant camaraderie that you get when you meet a fellow football fan of your team. Yeah. I've been around the I've been around the world and always meet other football fans who love the same teams that I do. Once we start talking, we realize that we have something else in common aside from football as well, and this sometimes strikes up a friendship. Also, yeah. there's the friendly competition that rivals have for each other. You get that moment of superiority when your team beats your friend's team, and for a certain amount of time, you get the pleasure of gloating. That's a good one. Uh, it's from Joshua. Um, I'll, I'll read the second part of it. As he was saying his life was hectic early on, and he said there wasn't much I could count on consistently. The one thing that I knew for a fact, though, was my dad would be there every Friday to pick me up from school and take me to a West Monroe football game. Nice. Not the powerhouse you've grown accustomed to either, the pre-Shiles era where I ran around in the stands because no one was there. He's never missed a game for at least 35 to 40 years. That was always our special time, so it holds a different place in my heart over other sports. That's kind of – I mean, I, I, I didn't – you know, I was, I was fortunate growing up. I was, um, and I realized that, and I'm appreciative of that. But, uh, you know, growing up, football was the thing that I saw my dad most passionate about. And as a young kid, it's hard not to have that same enthusiasm. You know, my dad, he was, he's a very energetic guy, but for the most part, he's very calm at the same time. And then when the football game comes on, that I, I never saw him like that in anything else. So the common theme so far with the uh, text that we received, why you love football, the strategy of the game, the teamwork of the game, uh, you can basically set your calendar. You always know every Friday, every Saturday, and every Sunday you have something to rally behind. And that was another one of the texts just in terms of how it connects people, it connects communities, it connects say, cities. I think it's the community of football. I think it's the connections that we have through football. Uh, football is almost a device mm-hmm. that we use to get closer to other people. And and Sean uh, had a message there too saying, what, uh, what other sport can you – is there where you can get together with all these other random people and become instant friends? It, to, to sum it up, which I agree. I mean, you know, if you if you're in a stadium uh, of ninety thousand people, and it is a big time game, and you're the underdog against a big time team, man, you you bond pretty quickly with those other people trying to will your team to victory. That there's just something special about that. So we're asking why you love football, and then Gary on the text line goes there. <laughs> he says, "I can't believe you guys didn't make note." <laughs> That the number one badminton player in the world, Victor Axelson, yeah. won two sets to nil last night in China. I may have to change the dial. Gary, we don't need to when we have you. You are a research department. Yes. Uh, Richie says, watching Last Chance, watch Last Chance you yesterday. I'm now curious as to who else wanted to punch Malik Henry in the face. Mm. All of America, Richie. All uh, of America. Ben texts in at 888-993-7762, says Louisiana Tech picked up its 10th commitment of the 2019 recruiting class. Defensive end, Kelby Rose committed to the Bulldogs. Rose is six foot three, 242 pounds, 
He held 20 FBS offers that included Kansas, Memphis, SMU, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. Bulldogs currently have the number two class in Conference USA. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I did see uh, LSU. We talked extensively about how Ed Orgeron was killing it. Uh, recruiting class has now dropped. Uh, it was projected in the top three in July, of course. <laughs> now all the way down to number eight. Yeah, uh, Georgia had a little something to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> that Emory commitment stings if you're Ed Orgeron. But it's so early in the game, you could still flip him A or B if you go out and get somebody like Noah Kane and – Class is, is still great. Uh, we mentioned, of course, college football is ready to roll uh, with uh, ULM hitting the practice field uh, tomorrow. They report today, and then uh, Louisiana Tech, I believe, on Friday morning will have their first practice of the fall. Grambling is uh, hitting the practice field on Friday. Broderick Fobbs taking another unique approach. So they sent out a practice schedule yesterday, uh-huh. but, oh, by the way, all practices are closed to the media Whoa. except for the first one. Implementing a new offense, do not want uh, the details revealed or leaked, I guess, over the Internet. The fact that we're shooting 22 wide never happens, but that is what uh, Broderick Fobbs wants. So uh, basically we have the option. We go to the first practice, and then, of course, media day. That is the coverage you will get from Grand Wing football as uh, they look forward to another big year. Hmm. Well, that's unfortunate. Out at ULM, of course, I uh, mentioned the fact that they're reporting today. Practices get underway tomorrow. There will be several new additions, including former West Monroe standout G- John Bailey Gillette. You're looking at the two-time 5A Defensive Player of the Year, the all-time leading tackler in West Monroe history. Yesterday I had an opportunity to chase him down, talk a little bit about Army, why it didn't work out, and then ultimately why, why, why ULM was the best fit. Uh, you know, it's a relief. It's definitely been a struggle here this past month or two. Uh, you know, leaving Army was uh, took a lot to get out of there, a lot of paperwork, a lot of time. Uh, you know, just being unsure about my future and what opportunities I would have. And uh, I'm very grateful ULM's given me this opportunity. It didn't work out for you at Army when you're coming home. What are you thinking how the scenario is going to play out? Yeah, I was very anxious. You know, my parents, you know, they, they did everything they could to get me, you know, opportunities out there. And, you know, luckily I had, you know, my coaches at Western Road continually help me. You know, get me in contact with coaches, and I was lucky enough to actually have a few options when I came home, and ULM was just the best fit. You were weighing the options, kind of ultimately, what did it come down to and why ULM? Uh, I just feel like Coach Collins, Coach Vitor have it go in the right uh, direction. Uh, I think last year they had, you know, a few games could have went their way. They had a great season, and I know they have a lot of talent returning, and hopefully I can contribute to that. It's a little strange how it all played out, right? With yes, the sir. Past and the, the connection that your family's had with ULM through the years, I'm sure you grew up watching ULM athletics. Now that it's played out like this, what do you think it's going to be like being part of the Warhawk family? I think it's going to be awesome. You know, my uncle and my mom both played basketball there. My dad was a coach there. You know, I, I grew up there. So, you know, being able to return here and play on the football team, it's going to be a great opportunity. It's a tough transition a lot of times from high school to college. What are you going to have to work on? Uh, everything. You know, I think Western Row uh, does a great job at kind of mirroring a college program as far as the workouts and the work ethic and more the mental ground than anything. So. Hopefully I'll be uh, maybe a step ahead than other freshmen. A lot of people, and it continues to be the thing, well, he may be a step too slow. We've talked about it before. That's got to be an extra motivation for you to kind of drive you forward. Oh, yes, sir. I'm as motivated as ever. You know, I got a lot of people doubting me, you know, coming back home from Army. You know, he didn't make it there. He's not going to make it here. And uh, I'm definitely uh, ready to get started. John Bailey Gillette.
heading to Ulan. It is weird how it all worked out. I mean, we've been talking about John Bailey Gillette in the recruiting process for years and ultimately did not pan out at Army. He gets his release, and he's eligible immediately now for the Warhawks. Yeah, um, doesn't matter how you get there. What matters is what impact you leave. So uh, now the hard work's ahead of him. 888-993-7762. We're going to dive into four downs coming yeah. up after the break. One of the hard-hitting questions from Jake Martin is, Why do you love football? Let us know. 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Welcome back to the show. We also do weather reports on the morning drive. It is raining in West Monroe. If you're out on the roads today, be careful. It's going to rain. Looks like it's supposed to rain according to uh, several models that I'm looking at. Around 2, 5 o'clock, 38% chance of precipitation. Thanks for that. Are you? Are it's hundred percent chance right now in on uh, Cypress Street in you, West Monroe. Are you in trouble as a sports director at KNOE? <laughs> You've been paying attention to the weather. You got to be very versatile. That's right. <laughs> I would love to see you do everything. Uh, one. Yeah, that'd be horrible. Yeah. Well, that's why I'd love we'd to go see from it. having unbelievable ratings to just being in the tank. I don't know, man. That'd be. Can't miss television. You ever tried to do that thing on the green screen wall? It's a little harder than you. I imagine. Think. I imagine so. Yeah. It's raining right now. If you're out on the road, seriously, be careful. Don't text and drive. Thanks for listening to us. Yes. All right. A little four downs. First down, Aaron. Uh-huh. What is the best college football championship performance you've ever seen? Uh, All right, full disclosure, hold on. This is maybe the easiest of the okay, four questions. Okay, but that's, I wanted to pose this question because I wanted to kind of research this myself okay. because everyone immediately thinks Vince Young yeah. at Texas versus USC. No-brainer, right? right? Let's just look at those stats from Vince Young, first of all. Yeah. 30 of 40. 75%. A BCS championship record for the most attempts without an interception. Throws mm-hmm. for 267 yards. That right there alone is pretty solid. Correct? Yes. But then on the ground, <laughs> he rumbles for another 200 yards and three touchdowns on 19 carries, including that little run there at the end of the game that was pretty special. Yeah. He almost put up 500 yards uh, on one of the greatest teams of all time. So, to me, that's pretty dang special. And not only that, but he completed – a lot of people forget he completed 75% of his passes, and he threw it 40 times. Yeah. Like, that's always kind of lost when you when you remember it. Things you remember are the clutch fourth-down conversions that he picked up with his legs. Yeah. I mean, USC knew the quarterback power was coming. They just couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was pretty special. But I wanted to ask this question to kind of look at other performances and see if anything matches up. Well, just look at that game and who he was going up against, and I think uh, Vince Young's incredible performance – overshadows what Matt Leinart did in that game. He wasn't too shabby either. 332 yards and five touchdowns in that game. In the game against Texas? Mm-hmm. Are you sure you have that correctly? Because I have um, those stats for his performance against Oklahoma. You are right. Oklahoma, too. That was 2005. <laughs> 2006, he threw for 365 yards in that one touchdown. Yeah. Um. I'm glad you said that, though. I was just testing you there, Jake, and you passed. Well, thank you. I'm glad you said that, though, because I I put that Matt Liner performance down yeah. as maybe one of those that could have trumped Vince Young because Oklahoma 
wasn't, you know, they were a good team also when they faced USC. A lot of people kind of remember that team as being softer than it was. But looking back, USC absolutely annihilated them, and that was the best performance of Matt Leinart's career. And it's not often you see 332 yards and five touchdown passes in a championship game. So I thought I thought about Leinart. Ultimately, I went through all the championships. I can't put one ahead of Vince Young. No. I just can't do it. You're not going to put Alabama's defensive effort against LSU in the title. That's game. a collective. <laughs> you know, this is an individual performance. Uh, but yeah, if you're talking about collective performances, sure, why not? And Jordan Jefferson gets an assist with that effort. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was their MVP. Okay, uh, second down. Greatest. Well, that wasn't much of a debate there. Well, the, I, you you didn't fight me on Vince Young. <laughs> it was it was worth doing for the research purposes. Mm. All right, second down. Greatest Super Bowl performance. You will have some disagreements here. Do you have a couple that stand out to you, Aaron Dietrich? Go ahead. Go first. Okay, I'll name a few before I give you my actual pick. All right, Jerry Rice, yeah. 11 catches for 215 yards against the Bengals. Uh, Joe Namath delivered on his word mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. Broadway Joe. Steve Young, six touchdown passes in the 95 Super Bowl against the Chargers. Santonio Holmes, Pittsburgh Steelers, he had nine catches uh, for 131 yards and most importantly had one of the greatest catches of all time when he tiptoed in the back of the end zone uh, with, what, seven seconds left or however many seconds left it was to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Terry Bradshaw, Super Bowl thirteen, threw for 318 yards and four touchdowns. Both were records at the time. What about, what say you? Uh, growing up a big Oakland Raiders fan, for some reason I always go back to Marcus Allen. And, of course, reversing field against the Redskins. On that night, 191 yards. On 20 carries, including that uh, 74-yard touchdown run in the third quarter, is certainly special. I also think back to Jim Plunkett back in the day, of course, uh, throwing for 261 yards, three touchdowns. Looked like he was on a bender. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's so many of them, but you go you go back and you look. Certainly, Jerry Rice needs to be up there in the top three or so, if not number one. Joe Montana, the number of unbelievable Super Bowl performances that he had. You know where I'm going with this, though? This will be the most unpopular pick of the day. Von Miller. Because Peyton Manning was a shell of himself, yet they won that Super Bowl because Von Miller was unblockable. He had two and a half sacks in that game, had two forced fumbles. The first fumble was recovered in the end zone for a score, and the second one eliminated Carolina's chances of winning the game and led to another Denver uh, touchdown. So, I, I look at that performance from Von Miller to get Peyton his his last Super Bowl ring. I, I think that might just very well be the best Super Bowl performance we've seen. How about Drew Brees? Thirty-two of thirty-nine, two hundred eighty-eight yards, and of course, winning New Orleans' first ever Super Bowl. Yeah, pretty special. Taking down, you know, and, and I think something else since we talked about Vince Young and what he did going against that USC team when the Saints took on the Colts. You, if you'll recall, the conversation that week was Peyton Manning, greatest oh, yeah. of all time. Yeah. That's what everyone talked about the whole time. And then, and then ultimately, who made the big mistake at the end? Yeah, it was Peyton Manning through the interception of Tracy Porter and, and Drew Brees. Uh, that's all That's all the, the Saints needed. They needed that and the onside kick uh, to secure that victory. 
a lot of offensive stars. You didn't talk very much about defense. Okay, uh, my number one was defense. Desmond Howard, kick game. Yeah. Packers, pretty special. Richard Dent, 85 Bears. Kurt Warner. <laughs> That's not a defensive star, but I okay. I know. I'm just throwing some out there. Yeah. Kurt Warner's had a few. But I think ultimately when you're talking about the, the best performance of all time, you go back to Jerry Rice and, of course, the, the 11 receptions for 215 yards in the touchdown. Are you making your pick on the fly here? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you did the research. <laughs> <laughs> I threw a bunch of them out there. Well, I did too, uh, but I had one Personal favorite, kids. you know, being a Raiders fan, I, I continue to go back to Marcus Allen. But ultimately, I think you got to go with a 49er. Either it's Joe Montana or Jerry Rice. Okay, thank you. I'm glad you did your homework. Yeah. Oh, what about Lynn Swan? Lynn Swan, yes. Um, some, of the, some of the most acrobatic, incredible catches yeah. in Super Bowl history. I mean, how many times when they do a montage? I about to say, how many times have you seen that catch? Uh, that replay is probably shown more than any other play in football mm-hmm. history. And do we not give Tom Brady any love when breaking down the best performances in Super Bowl history? Hey, and really, you could do the the comeback the against comeback. the Dirty Birds. You could. What he had a pick six Th- early in that, that game. That said, though, I mean, without Edelman's catch, do they make that comeback? Yeah. You know, that's kind of why I excluded him. But yeah, he, he's deserving of being mentioned. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. The greatest moments or performances in college football national championship game and then in the Super Bowl. Larry says, one of the best I, that I saw was Peter Wark's performance against Virginia Tech in the yeah. 2000 Sugar Bowl. All right, Aaron, you ready for third down? Let's go. Let's dive back into your fourth down question, what we love about football so much. You can continue to weigh in, 888-993-7762. We've got some great responses so far. Yes, we have. So, Aaron, when you're thinking about what you love about football? First, I think it's got to start with the teamwork that it requires for the game, and then also the sacrifice. So I'll go here. I know it's football, but I get asked a lot, why do you love high school football so much? Because a lot of people like NFL and college football, and sometimes they're just like, well, high school football, the game's not as clean, and yada, yada, yada. My, my response to that for high school football is I think it's the purest form of the sport because you've, you've got very few athletes on the field that are actually going to go play at the next level. So the majority of the players on that field, they've bought into their school, they're playing for pride, and they're playing for their coach. And they're playing for their teammate next to them. Yes. Their classmate. And they're playing for their community. Mm-hmm. It's just something cool like we grew up here – you know, it's 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 homegrown talent. There's just something special about that, and the fact that when you when you win together, it's just indescribable. Like when you win together and you're going to school. I know it's the weekend after Friday, but when you go to school on that Monday, it's just it's it's indescribable. You know, it's it's such an awesome time walking around. Everybody's still talking about the game. Uh, it's just something about that, and also the fact that when you get to college, college football is still my favorite. But high school is right behind it. When you get to college, you still have some guys, you still have these stories where they're worried about their NFL career, and now you're starting to see some guys sit out of bowl games. There's money on the line. And, and I, there's, that's more prevalent in college than it is in high school. I love the fact that on a Friday night you walk into a stadium and you see – you know, two or three individuals that basically walk by each other every day or on a weekly, monthly basis at Wally World 
and don't even acknowledge each other. And perhaps some even walk down a different aisle to avoid that person. But on Friday night in a stadium, they may be sitting in the same vicinity or right next to each other. And after a big play or a big hit, you can find them high-fiving each other. Yes. I also love the bands, the tradition. There's something about a band playing on Friday night, being the being the backdrop of these big games. Um, I don't know, man. It's just it's just it's just something special. And I think something that helps it too is the fact that it's not oversaturated, and the fact that you get ten to fourteen games a year for that team, for that one team. In these other sports, you get several games, several opportunities to go see them play. So you cherish every moment you get to go and see your team play. The other thing along the same note uh, around high school football, and you could also say the same thing for college football, how it unites communities, brings cities together. It has one rallying point. How many times do we see it in the fall in high school football where you see just communities coming together and they got one common goal and, of course, that is that football team and maybe ultimately to win a district championship or perhaps get all the way down to New Orleans. And I mean, I think that's what, you know, you look at West Monroe and the fact that the Rebels haven't been back to the Dome since 2011. This was a yearly trip. This was Haven't the, the, won. Yeah, haven't won. This was one of those trips that they always had planned. You know, you could book it. Hey, we're going to be down there in December. We're going to be there. We're going to book our family vacations around this or perhaps this will be our family vacation to go down in New Orleans. West Monroe misses that. And, and they were there a couple of years ago, and I think that's another reason why, just if they could get back down there and have an opportunity to win a championship, you certainly see that bring West Monroe together. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's special, man. And, and Trent says the bands are the best. Friday night at Madison High when Tallulah and McCall emerged was a huge party. They would play Lil Boosie and Trick Daddy. It was a huge party on the home side. That's, that's also fun, too, is – when you go out to these Friday night games, there are different cultures at different schools, and I love all of them. They're all fun. Why do you love football? Continue to hit us up at 888-993-7762. we got more reasons why coming up later in the show. Coming up next, a pretty cool event going to take place this week. Yes, Reese Altman will join us, the West Monroe kicker. He will describe and tell us about this wiffle ball tournament that will take place at Beatenhart. When's the last time you played wiffle ball? Dude, too long, man. I used to play it every day. I love wiffle ball. You, you, were you not a big wiffle ball fan? Some, yeah. We would play it in the backyard every day. Wow. In the summer. Nice. Miss it. Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Back after this. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor running the board back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Yeah, we are talking uh, about football today. And joining us right now is West Monroe High School senior Reese Altman, who kicks for the Rebels. Reese, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are y'all? We are great. Uh, thanks for joining us. We wanted you to tell the people about this big event you got going on this weekend. Yes, sir. So this Saturday, August 4th, I am hosting my sixth annual Under the Lights Wiffle Ball Tournament at Beanhorn Sports Complex to uh, help raise money for Jordan Boutwell on his gap year from college with Trek X to uh, serve three months in Dallas, Texas, and then take a, then go serve around the nation. For nine months. 
Reese, six years. Uh, take us back. How did this all get underway six years ago? Uh, okay, so it all started in 2013. Well, it started before. Of course, my love for baseball has been ever since I was like three. I, I can't remember the last time I've never had a baseball bat in my hand. And uh, in 2013, I would I needed to raise a thousand dollars to go on a mission trip to El Salvador. And so I was like, I talked to some of my friends, like, hey, let's get a football tournament going. The first year we had about 25,000 teams. I'm sorry, 25 teams, and raised about a thousand dollars. And then just the growth started from there. The next year we had about 30 teams, and then it's come all the way up to last year we had 47. So six this. This will be our sixth year, and just it's it's cool to see at ballparks people just throwing around wiffle balls, telling me, "Oh, can we have two in a year? Can we have more than one?" Just every year in August. So the growth has been way farther than I expected six years ago. So the pool play will begin at 8 a.m. How many teams will be in the bracket play? Okay, so I'll, I'll kind of explain that. So we have three divisions. You have lower, which is generally elementary school, middle, which is generally middle school kids, and upper, which is high school kids. Then we have an adult division that also plays with college, and we have a girls division. Each team will play two pool play games. Um, they start at 8, and they'll last to about 12.30. And then we'll have a, we're doing something different this year. We'll have a break during lunch and skip the heat and we'll start bracket play around 7 to 8. Each team will be guaranteed at least one bracket play game, but if they lose it, they lose in the round. Reese, this is quite an undertaking for anyone, let alone a high school student. How have you been able to pull this off? Well, I'll have to credit my dad a lot with this, too. He handles all the money and stuff like that, but we also have to thank the guys out of Beanhorn for allowing us to use our field each year. They they let us use it to little to no cost, and um, we have generous donors that will donate cases of water, um, food, wiffle, uh, help pay for some wiffle balls and expenses. So this literally started just you and your buddies and getting some teams together, and now it's ballooned to close to 50 teams. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, it, I, if you told me that this was going to happen six years ago, I'd probably laugh and say, nah, this is just some friends getting together, but... It's grown out to where even parents even come out and watch their kids, little kids, and first and second grade come up and ask me when the next one is. It's just great. It's great to be out there and just see everybody come together supporting a great cause. Reese, one more time, explain what the the proceeds are going to. Okay, so this each year we try to stay local. Um, the past few years, I've the funds have gone to our mission trip in El Salvador. We've helped raise money for the Smiles Park at Crowley Park. Uh, last year, we donated money in State Jude of honor of Cor- Corbin Goldie. He's a high school student who had cancer at West Monroe. And this year, our um, the donation is going to Jordan Boutwell. He's a current student at ULM. He's going to take a gap year to be on missions with Trek X, which is a um, global uh, mission organization so he'll spend three months training in dallas texas and then once he finishes his training he'll spend nine months traveling the globe um ministering the gospel to unreached people um his goal is to raise ten thousand dollars and he's already halfway there and so we hope to um we hope to get him over to hump with the um football tournament and we're also each year we also donate to two local charities two penny mission that help serve the homeless and then the jason paul cameron foundation 
So, Reese, if there's some listeners out there that want to donate or perhaps get together a team, what do they need to do? Yes, okay, so to register, the deadline is actually this Wednesday, but if you call my dad, um, we can reserve your spot if you can't get your money in by then. But it's $40 for a four-player team. We have three divisions. You have a guys division, a girls division, an adult college division. Um, what you can do is you can uh, put your on a piece of paper, put your team name, team players, age, and if they're still in school, what grade they just graduated from. And you can run the registration by my house, which is 411 Kendall Ridge Drive. That's Kendall with two L's. Or if you can't get the money or registration in by then, you can call my dad, Donnie Altman. His number is 318-366-5120. That's 318-366-5120. Hey, Reese, I, I mentioned we've been talking football all morning. We've been discussing why we love football. I feel like we need to take advantage of having an actual current player on, on the line with us. Reese, why do you love football? Why do I love football? That I, I guess you could say just the best feeling in the world is running out there on Friday night with your brothers. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a cool story because growing up, I loved football, but I never played it just because I'm undersized, not, not as big and strong as others, not, honestly not wanting to get hit. Um, that's why I play kicker. That's, that's my joke I have. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I just running out there with your brothers, knowing that we just finished summer workouts yesterday. So knowing that you've gone through all summer working your butt off with them, and not, with not the funnest workouts, and then going through hot summer practice during August, knowing that, okay, I can trust you and I know you got my back. And it's just it's a brotherhood, and that's why I love football. All right, Reese, five years you've been doing this. This is year number six. An easy way for you to give a shout-out here. Who has been the best wiffle ball player so far over the course of the last five years? Well, you know, I would say me, but I only won the tournament <laughs> the first year. Um, but in the upper division, which is typically college division, we've had one team win it the past five years besides the first year. And that team consists of Logan Green, Peyton Parker, Colton Anderson, Slade. So we're really, I'm really recruiting people to try to let's beat them out this year because I'm tired of it. I don't want a six feet or a five feet this year. So, but um, yeah, it, it's just great seeing all the because it's great because teams that are not new to the sport will come in and get obliterated by some of these teams that are well and they're like all right this is not happening next year and they come back next year practicing all year and then end up obliterating the teams that obliterate them so it's great to see people outside practicing it's great to have a group of friends come in and just play Uh, football reese tough question this isn't well it's not that hard this should be pretty easy you can hit this one (laughs) on the ballpark a wiffle ball uh player who do you think is better me or jake See, if I say one, the other one's going to get mad. So, uh, <laughs> The old-timer or the young whippersnapper over here? I'm going to have to go with the young whippersnapper. I'm going to have to go with Jake. He's got no power. No power. <laughs> hey, bud, well, congratulations um, on this event. It's pretty cool, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, and also, if y'all, if, y'all would, if y'all would like to just to let them know, again, if you'd like to make a team, you can contact my dad, Donnie Altman, at 318 
A professional. Yes. Appreciate it, Reese. Good job. Get Thank, practice. thank you all. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, you know, Aaron, I was thinking the whole time you saw about making a team. Yeah. You and I, we could. You want to call? Uh, Jacob? I'm going to be out of town this weekend. Yeah, I was thinking we could call Jacob Pearson and Zach Watson, <laughs> and maybe you know just let them do the work. Uh, that'd be pretty good. Walk in there with just a loaded team, right? That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, probably unfair. Yeah, that'd be all right though. Yeah. Well, they don't want the same team to win. I think uh, both of them are a little busy right I now, know. too. <laughs> hey, you guys free? Just Get a pass know. for the weekend. You guys free Saturday? <laughs> uh, odds, and new, odds and ends here. Uh, you seen this story about uh, Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Anything Not a fan of eating chicken. Why? Because <sighs> he's an oddball? Hmm. So, I guess uh, Wilton Speet, a former Michigan quarterback, now he transferred to UCLA. He's kind of spilling the beans on Jim Harbaugh and his quirky ways, correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Harbaugh pulled him aside. He's telling this story. told him not to eat chicken, a protein that is considered fairly safe by most nutritionists, right? Mm -hmm. When Speed asked why, Harbaugh said, because it's a nervous bird. Yeah. What does that mean? He thinks some types of sicknesses are injected its way into the human population when people begin eating white meats instead of beef and pork. And he believes it 100%. <laughs> Whatever, man. Yeah. Whatever. I, I think this goes back to also, he doesn't drink 1% milk no. or 2%. He's he got to drink whole milk. He drinks whole milk. Um, I remember somebody went to a press conference. Well, it was a little boy went to a press conference and somehow asked a question and said he drinks whole milk and like Harbaugh wanted to cry, like it just made his day. But he he did that when he was young because he wanted to grow bigger and stronger. Fun Jim fact. Harbaugh. Fun yes. fact about Jim Harbaugh. Yes, he is quirky, very quirky. Emmett says football keeps me grounded because the team I'm rooting for normally loses. Why you love football so much? You can continue to hit us up at eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Coming up after the break, we're going to catch up with Gus Kattengo for his weekly visit down at ESPN New Orleans. A lot of news and notes from Saints training camp. Gus has been spending a majority of his uh, time, some of it actually his free time, watching the Saints and breaking them down. We'll get his report coming up after the break on the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How it goes, Jake? I think this may be actually the first time and perhaps the – last year that we've actually hit the eight o'clock hour right at the top of the hour well done congratulations what a weird stat yeah, we have those hard outs <laughs> that's right uh we always love catching up with gus Cattengill from espn new orleans he joins us on the stewart shelby goosehead insurance hotline man gus we got a lot of things we want to pick your brain about you're spending a lot of time out there saints training camp overall how's it been so far well, I just finished talking. It's hot. I mean, <laughs> the, the heat is definitely one element of it. But uh, I'll say this. Uh Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.